0: Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to everyone who is watching and following along and and who will watch and follow along eventually with this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call Interview Series. Uh, as always, I'm Will Driscoll, the executive director here at the Hall of Fame, and I'm, I'm always happy to bring you another edition of this great content platform we have here. Uh, before we get started, though, I'd like to thank all of our Hall Call and Hall of Fame sponsors and partners, Priority Automotive, the City of Virginia Beach, the Beck Foundation, Davcon Inc., Optima Health, White Claw Heart Seltzer, ESPN Radio 94.1, and Davis Business Appraisers. All of their support allows us to bring you content platforms like this and our upcoming induction, which, speaking of the upcoming induction, we are just 44 days away from the 2023 induction. And if you haven't heard, it's the 50th in our history. So it's definitely an exciting time here at the hall. And today we continue the discussion in the run-up to the 2023 induction with our 2023 Distinguished Virginian Award recipient, Joe Montgomery. The Distinguished Virginian Award here at the Hall of Fame recognizes an individual that has experienced success both on and off the field with sports as a background. Uh, A native of Lynchburg, Montgomery starred along the offensive line at William & Mary, originally recruited by legendary football coach Lou Holtz. A two-time All-Southern Conference selection in 1973 All-American at center, Montgomery transitioned to the business world following some stints with the Philadelphia Eagles and Charlotte in the World Football League. Uh, Since those playing days, however, Montgomery has made an impact with his alma mater, William & Mary, in his business as a financial advisor and in his community, not just in Williamsburg, but beyond. Uh, A 1985 William & Mary Athletics Hall of Fame inductee, Montgomery has carried his competitive drive to the investment field where he has held a top national financial advisor ranking for over four decades. Uh, His commitment to his alma mater and greater community has seen him appointed to the William & Mary Board of Trustees, the Colonial Williamsburg Foundation Board of Trustees, and the Virginia Retirement uh, System Board of Trustees, among others. And in 2017, Joe was honored by the Remington Trophy as the Gerald R. Ford Legends Award recipient. Now, with all of that said, it's easy to see why he is this year's Distinguished Virginian Award recipient. So, Joe, uh, thank you for taking some time to join us today on the Hall Call Interview Series
1: uh, thank you, will. I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun a great opportunity, and everything you read just indicates I'm older than dirt but anyway
0: <laughs> hey listen, we celebrate the past, present, and future of sports in virginia, so it it all it all yeah. comes into the same pie here so we're we're excited to have you here um thank but you. obviously we we're, we're a sports hall of fame, and so let's talk about your sporting background first um uh, your story we've talked about this in many of our conversations, but your story about how you got to William and Mary. It's kind of based on a leap of faith you had a, you had an offer to another school and if you want to if you want to reveal that school i'll let you do that but you turned that down in hopes that the offer from william and mary would come can you share a little bit about that story
1: well you know i, I lived i grew up in lynchburg and um you know i was reasonably uh well recruited i guess you'd say uh and really you know, if this other place, if they just sent me the scholarship, I probably would have signed and gone there and probably been very happy. But, you know, one of the things that that experience taught me and I've carried through life is it's, it's amazing if you're fortunate enough to have somebody touch you along the way uh, that really directs your future. And for me, one of those people was Lou Holtz. He uh, was very important at the time, obviously. He was the coach. He understood me, I think, psychologically very well. One of the things uh, that I think made him so successful uh, in his total career was his ability to see people's future before they really realized it. And I've talked to other people that played for him, Notre Dame and and beyond, and uh, they had similar experiences. And in in my case, um, he... I I called him after turning some other folks down. I called and said, Coach, if you still want me, I want to come to Weave and Mary. A little stress there because I probably should have called him first before I, you know, turned down the other people. Uh, But he said, oh, I'll be up today. And that was a Saturday. And I said, well, Coach, my parents are going to a wedding. And he said, oh, well, they got to be there. I'll come up tomorrow. And I said, well, Coach, tomorrow is the Super Bowl. And uh, he said, "Well, I watch it at your house. Well, hell, I'm getting chill bumps now, just thinking about it, right? But the, the amazing thing is, I mean, yes, the guy was there, the, the, the chiefs and the Vikings are playing, and you know, we're sitting in the den with little TV trays, eating my mother's German chocolate cake. You know, uh, it was wonderful. Uh, but realizing the impact of that that he, what he had in mind for me, um, and, you know, what I was able, uh, to accomplish, uh, with a, a lot of help from him and others, uh, it's always had an impact on me. And so we've stayed in touch, you know, we've, um, had a lot of communication. Um, I know he recommended me for this, um, you know, among other things. So, you know, just, it's, it's important to remember, at least I think, and I try to impart to, to my kids and the people that I meet along the way, it's important to, Think about how people can have an impact on you and how you can have an impact on other people. Uh, it's kind of pay it forward maybe, but I think he was a clear you know, benefit to me
0: when you you obviously mentioned the connection with coach holtz was was kind of one of the driving factors in pulling you to william and mary but what about the program overall at that point that was that really drew you there because at the end yeah. of the day coaches are coaches and you, you never know if they're going to stay or go but there was something right. about the program that drew you as well what was that
1: yeah and you know my mother was a teacher so obviously i knew the academics uh of william and mary and um as that turns out, that's an enormous plus. I mean, if you look today at the graduation rate um, that they have, um, I'm not sure all schools are as happy to publish that uh, as William and Mary is. Uh, but even back in you know in my day, it was um, you know it was known. And and again, we were competing. If you remember where we were at that moment, uh, we were playing West Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Wake Forest. Tulane, you know, um, he was able to recruit some, uh, you know, players much better than me uh, that that came there. And, uh, but the academics, I mean, that's kind of the, I don't want to call it the law of unintended consequences, but, you know, let's say I made that decision because of the force and will of Lou Holtz. But the residual benefit was I came away with a degree from William & Mary. And for most people, pretty much like the ad says at the NCAA, most people are not going on to uh, make their lives as a professional athlete. And um, I think, you know, that's another one of those sort of unintended consequences.
0: Yeah, I believe the the ad was there were over 400,000 NCAA athletes and and almost all of us are going pro in something other than sports. <laughs> yes. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite Lou Holtz story, either from the football field or off the field, that, that just sticks in your mind? Uh
1: the one that I remember is um, and, and there's a lot of things I think you take away from coaches that you apply later in life at a time you don't really know how significant they are. But uh we'd had a particularly bad practice during two days, um, I guess my sophomore year. And um, well, it was a couple of things. The first one is this, so well, we're bad practice in the morning. He brought everybody in over at are Mary Hall and he brought in a bucket full of water and he jammed his hand down in it and he pulled it out. And he said, The hole you leave when you pull your hand out, that's how much you're going to be missed around here when you're gone. And everybody's eyes, you know, get about like silver dollar size, and you're going, Oh, okay. So practice picked up a lot in the afternoon um his point being you know you have to perform and you have to continue to perform and uh because I was a sophomore and at that moment I was the only uh sophomore starting freshman couldn't play right mm-hmm. and so uh um, he was sitting on the back of the stadium and we'd had a couple of quarterback exchanges that didn't go right in other words there was a fumble Uh, He came down off the stadium, read me out uh, big time, because I'm the new guy. And so it's always the new guy's fault. And yeah, he just, you know, he had a lot of things that at the time might have been uh, irritating, shall we say. But you look back on it, and you start to understand his management style. And that's really why he was so effective. I mean, you know, he, he had many things that were applicable to business, which I think is one reason, you know, most people have probably heard him speak. Uh, if they've heard him speak, it hasn't been at an athletic thing. It's probably been at a business meeting because business has been able to draw so much from his style.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's and it's really neat to go back through the history of just sports in Virginia, not just at William & Mary, but all of the schools to see where the tentacles expand to. You know, who who has a connection to sports here in Virginia and that kind of leads me into my next question just specifically as William & Mary talking about that program fingerprints are everywhere all over yeah. football from the Marv Levy's and the Lou Holtzs to to Mike Tomlin and Sean McDermott two of 32 current NFL head coaches yeah. are alums from William & Mary and there's a third who actually coached at William & Mary how has this college known more for rigorous academics become this influential in football
1: well, you know, to me, and you know, I guess we're we're all we think about that uh, and are proud about it, uh, but I think it has to do with the fact that the, you know the kids that we've been marrying every sport uh, are student athletes, um, and the thing about what you're really learning, both from athletics and the academics, are things you can apply professionally, and it opens up if you know if you're graduating. Uh, it opens up the spectrum of choices. So you take uh, guys like Mike and Sean, who were great players, but, you know, they weren't playing professionally, but they were able to take the things they learned from Jimmy Laycock, who, you know, was a phenomenal coach, but also, you know, here it's, uh, yeah, we want to win football games, but the thing here is these kids are going to graduate and then that's they get an opportunity. They have the added benefit of all that has been learned organizationally from teams and sports, which is clearly, you know, what what, what you folks at the hall are working on with these scholarships for high school high school students. Uh, I mean, this all plays into it. it. It's it's quintessential William and Mary. Um that's, you're going to leave here with a good education. If you happen to be a great football player, um, great. You're probably going to get an opportunity to do something, but you're also going to have in your hip pocket. Um, and I can tell you, I've wandered around, you know, through sports uh, quite a while well, afterwards for a couple of years. And uh, a lot of times I was really happy I had a degree from William & Mary, you know, uh, you think, okay, well, I can do something else.
0: you you mentioned coach laycock and uh it's it's a really exciting year for william and mary athletics as it pertains to the hall of fame because not only yourself but coach laycock is also included in the class of 2023 you have stayed unbelievably close to the program since your playing days um how excited is it to kind of be recognized together and have that spotlight be brought to this program through the the hall of fame induction this year
1: yeah, well, I mean, first off, uh, instant, cr- I, I feel like I'm tagging on to instant credibility because Jimmy Ledcock is, I mean, the word legend is overused, I think, uh, but in his case, it clearly applies. Uh, it's just phenomenal. You think what he accomplished and you know, the way he was able to work within the system, Um you know, academically to bring these kids in that achieve and his whole model about walk-ons and people that came in. I mean, as a matter of fact, Sean McDermott, not only is he a Hall of Fame member of the Widmer Athletics, uh, but he's also in what we, we call the walk-on Hall of Fame.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: mean, you could put together a hell of a football team just off kids that walked on here. Um, quite incredible and uh, his methodology for that I think was you know there's some genius there in the transition of the way football was going uh, to division one level Uh, I think he when history looks back they will probably notice that uh, his impact in the way the sport developed
0: Well, I think one of the old adages is as a coach, you're hired to be fired. And so to be able to kind of set your own terms and and have your term play out on your terms is, uh, is, is not something we see every day in 39 years with the program. And, uh, and 249 wins. I think when he retired he had the third longest tenure uh, of any of any collegiate coach which uh, which is just a, a great testament to him and he'll actually be joining us on this platform in two weeks. So we look forward to, to talking to him there. But um let's talk a little bit more about about the distinguished Virginian award this year and and I, I briefly mentioned it, but it in a nutshell, it's really about how sports intersects with other facets of life you know, what sporting principles have kind of guided you as you've gone on to success in business and philanthropy and and just a lot of the community impact that you've made?
1: Yeah, well, you know, sports in general require preparation. And a lot of people, when they go into uh, any career, uh, they probably aren't prepared to put in initially the work because they may not even know what the workload is, you know, depending Mm -hmm. on what your job is. Um, I think the one of the great things about which what I tried to do, it, you know, people don't realize what it takes athletically. I don't care, even if you're gifted in the competitive world we're in today, even the most gifted people are prepping, prepping, prepping. Um, uh, you know, you, you look at Tom Brady, he, the, uh, the, the way he, he prepped uh, in preparation uh, in my own stumbling way. I probably did a lot of the same thing as an athlete. I mean, I moved toward lifting weights in an era when people weren't lifting weights. So being able uh, to gain an advantage there, I did the same thing, was a little uh, less obvious, but I did things like I took up karate to figure out foot movement. Uh, I spent hours repeating steps uh, marked into a cinder track to figure out how to improve my 40 time, um, which I was able to do. So, but those are behind the scene things that people don't understand. And the, you know, the repetitive nature of excellence, you know, um, and that gives you a couple of things. It means it becomes more automatic uh, when the pressure is on. So you're not having to think about it. Um, You know, that's, that's very important. And um, there, it, you don't break down as you tire out as quickly. You, you know, you hear about people on the offensive line; people get tired. They tend to stand up a little bit, makes it easier to get past them. So that has to do with how much conditioning, how much work you're doing. So there are all kinds of things that are transferable. Uh, they may not be physical; depends on what your career after sports is. But that same kind of focus, I just flipped it over you know, to what I I was doing. Whereas I, you know, um, literally in the off season, I worked out 40 hours a week. Um, You know, whether it was the things I mentioned, lifting, karate, running, biking, when I got shin splints, you know, anything anything that would work. All I did is when I uh, moved into the the financial uh, advice business, um, I just put in the same amount of work behind the scenes and um you know it's a preparation right it uh, but the will to put in that work i think is a distinguishing characteristic for a lot of people that actually achieve it doesn't matter whether it's sports or business you know everybody would like to accomplish very few but it's the little red hen story right you know mm-hmm. uh who wants to help me sow the seed? Who wants to help me gather it? Whatever. Everybody wants to eat it.
0: What was the uh what was the best 40 time, if you don't mind sharing?
1: Uh oh, I'm happy to share it. Uh <laughs> I ran a 49540 for a for, for a scout from Blesto. Um, and originally I probably ran 20 pound, I was probably 20, 30 pounds lighter, and I probably ran. 525, something like that. And now I was a hundred and, excuse me, 245 pounds, which doesn't sound like much. I was looking at the combine figures, and you got guys that are, you know, 300 or trucking at 485, 485, something like that. I mean, but for those days, and, it, you know, stuff's relative. So yeah. if you're a little bigger, a little faster, a little stronger uh you know it paid off back then it pays off today
0: well, we and, won't we won't make you get out on the track to to justify that that time these days
1: <laughs> yeah hey i yeah i couldn't do that in 20 yards <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, you know, we we've known each other now for a couple of years, and and I've been able to to kind of see some of the work that you do, especially with your your business, the Optimal Service Group with Wells Fargo Advisors. And one initiative that I didn't mention in the intro, but I, I think does need to to be highlighted, is the is how you engage your business with William and Mary student athletes that have an interest in the world of finance through internships. How long have you been doing that, and what what spawned that idea?
1: Uh. Well, I'd love to tell you it was just cheap labor, but um, <laughs> it uh, we it originally, we weren't necessarily using athletes. What we were looking for is somebody, um, well, back in the days of investment banking being hot, you know, like in the 80s and, you know, the Masters of the Universe stuff, mm-hmm. uh, kids were interested in working for a member firm of the exchange. Uh, so we had some kids come out an intern for us. And uh, what we found is what you really need is somebody that back to what I said about doing the work. So, you know, a lot of stuff you're asking interns to do is not exactly fun. It's not all going to meetings with investment managers or sitting in front of clients. It could be filing and more mundane things. So Um, what we found is you just need to have people that are willing to do the work. And again, what's sort of a common feature of athletes that achieve is they're willing to do the work. So whether it's moving boxes or handling files or, you know, making sure somebody gets from the airport to our office, um, they're willing to do it. So what we wound up doing is, is, um, you know, typically has been somebody uh, connected to athletics in recent years but it probably goes back almost 30 years we've been doing that actually we'll have uh, two young men out here from the football team um, I guess probably whenever school ends um, and they'll work with us during the summer and the one thing we know is uh, they'll be able to do it because that's just the way those kids are
0: it's a great program, and and it just kind of falls in line with a lot of the the work that that you do. Not like I said, not just with your business, but also in the community. And and I mentioned many of the organizations that you have supported, your alma mater, Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia Retirement System. But what motivates you personally to continue to get involved on that civic side?
1: Well, you know, I think that kind of goes back to the the, the knowledge that I have that people like Lou Holtz helped me. I wouldn't be in this business, by the way, if I hadn't gone to Weave & Mary, because the guy that hired me uh, went to Weave & Mary, uh, he saw me play, he remembered me, I actually didn't even go to him for a job, I didn't know him, he wanted to meet me, we got to talking, uh, it dawned on me that the uh, after the World Football League was folding, perhaps the NFL was not going to be anxious for me to return. Uh, So I took a look at what he was talking about doing, and I've always known that if you don't have that sequence, Coach Holtz isn't engaged and isn't interested, then the gentleman that brought me in the business wouldn't have been, and that kind of is humbling because it tells you, once again, it's not really all about you, and even if you have some skills, you need to have people that help you along the way. And so that same thing, you know, we're doing, whether it's the interns or, or the charities or, or, public service, you know, for things like a VRS, those are all things where you have an opportunity to give some of that back. And, you know, it's uh, not anything, I think anybody needs to be patted on the back about it's just what makes things more interesting, more efficient. Plus, I mean, you get to meet interesting people um, you know who wants to be stuck in a rut, right?
0: In, in many of our conversations, one of the things that that always pops up is is opportunity and just being available when those opportunities present yeah. themselves. And, and you just laid out not only committing to William and Mary, but then getting into to this and just having those opportunities yeah. uh, be be available. And um, and how how important is that the term opportunity to you? Oh.
1: Wow, that is probably it, right? It's preparation, 90%, let's say, but the opportunity is that, and you know, I mean, I've been very fortunate in, in my career and, you know, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I, if you define retirement as being able to do what you'd like to do, whether it's golf, whatever, I, you know, you could almost argue I'm sitting here retired. I mean, I'm doing what I want to do. I'm yeah. talking to you, I'm working with groups, I'm meeting interesting people. So the opportunity, again, you've got to have the skills to meet that opportunity. And that's where I think the education part, like at William and Mary matters, Uh, the preparation that people do for themselves, the study, the work, whether it's, you know, uh, my profession or any other medical or whatever, you got to be able to meet the challenge. But that, again, comes from athletics, right? I mean, look, you know, we all... um, suffer from i would say um my wife had these shirts made up for uh, our friend to, uh, well like we actually gave them to everybody eventually our old guys that say the older i get the better i was okay so we we have selective memory loss like i'm pretty sure i never got called for holding you know at least the way i remember it of course um i may have missed the block but i can't really recall those uh so it's selective memory but you know we all fail. Uh, I love the comment. Actually, it was Nelson Nelson Mandela. They got it from, I think, but um, uh, quarterback for Philadelphia hurts when they were talking about the loss. And he said, well, I don't look at it that way. We either win or we learn. And I thought that was brilliant. Um, And as I said, I think Nelson Mandela said it. But if you think about what that young man went through and has been through and then put out on the field, and you could argue he did everything he could do, uh, and they lost, and instead of thinking of it, the tragedy of it, it was just, we learned, and I, I, I thought that was astounding, and I really think that's the way you have to think about it with opportunity because it's gonna come again. And so instead of worrying about it, complaining about it, just prepare a little more.
0: Yeah, you only get one shot at this thing called life, and yeah. uh, and you can't plan for, well. You can plan for it, but there's a lot of things and hurdles that, that get presented to you, and it's yeah. how you approach those. Um, we're, we're we're getting close to time, but I did want to I did want to talk about one more thing, and that's the Remington Trophy and the Gerald R. Ford Legends Award, and and the Remington Trophy probably sounds familiar to a lot of, of sports fans, especially college football fans, and that trophy honors the best center in college football each year. But the Gerald R. Ford Legends Award, presented by the Remington Trophy, uh, by the organization, goes to a former center who has also made significant contributions to the football and/or business communities, or through philanthropic endeavors. You were awarded this prestigious award in 2017. Your name is now associated with a president of the United States. Yeah. What, what does what did that award mean to you? And and just kind of take us through the whole the whole presentation that night and just being yeah. associated with the Gerald R Ford Legends Award.
1: Well, it it, it frankly uh, uh, other than I mean, the awards are nice, uh the one that's always meant the most to me, I think, is being selected as a co-captain um, you know, of, of the teams I've been on, high school or and in the case of college, it's really your peers that select you. So that to me is top top of the heap uh the ford legend award is a phenomenal thing to me because it recognizes um a lot of what we've been talking about you know whether it's uh, it, it's really the completeness and how ath- of a career beyond just athletics and but the connection to it which is so important At least it is for me. So the opportunity to be out there in in Lincoln, Nebraska, with you know all these great players. And by the way, if you haven't been to Lincoln, Nebraska, it's phenomenal. And uh, you know, tough times their football team has had recently, but that place loves football. So the amazing thing to me is, by the time I'm out of there, I mean you got Billy Price who was getting the award, the you know the Remington when I was out there. By the time they get through with you. There are kids coming up for autographs. You know, it it was it it was spectacular. But it was to me the connection of accomplishments beyond just athletics. You know, if the baseline is you were a good athlete, that's fantastic. Uh, But the carryover I see because you know, uh, by the time I got that, obviously a lot of life has uh, gone by, and you realize how important you know, all these other opportunities are that you're talking about that have come up. And, you know, we've been able to navigate them successfully. And that award really acknowledges it. And to have it in that setting with guys like Dave Remington, who's the only two-time winner of the Outland Trophy, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, a fantastic uh, group of people. And, and I think it really, with Ford, it was interesting because what they were creating with the family, and he was alive when that was created. Um, they were really doing very much what I feel like you you guys at the hall are working on toward the scholarshiping of kids and making people aware, you know, how athletic opportunities expand all of your other opportunities in life. And to me, that's just, uh, you know, that was sort of it. We had a great time and Lord knows they know how to throw a party. I mean, it was spectacular.
0: Well, we, you know, we, we have, chatted so many times about yes a hall of fame the the one of the core missions is to honor athletic excellence but it's also our duty to highlight the benefits of sports participation and just being involved in the principles and and the remington the remington gerald r ford legends award definitely does that but but i'm I, I hope a small part of our Distinguished Virginian Award does that as well. And, yeah. and Joe, it, it's been a pleasure catching up with you about everything. And, and we're looking forward to this April as well and, and your continued involvement with, with what we do here at the hall. So thank you again for taking some time to join us today.
1: Well, thank you. It's, it's, it's an honor to be engaged. And I totally agree with what you're working on is a very much distinguished and your uh, high school work is fabulous for what this what this state needs. Thank
0: you. thank you. We we have a lot of we have a lot of good people to highlight in this state. And so it's uh, it, it's definitely something that, that we like to do. Uh, but for the for everybody who tuned in or will watch again, I'd like to thank you. And as always, thank you to all the sponsors for the Hall of Fame and our partners. You can see them over my shoulders. Uh, be sure to stay up to date on all things Virginia Sports Hall of Fame and the Hall Call Interview Series by following our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube. We have multiple Hall Calls scheduled in the next few weeks. First up, Next Tuesday is Roanoke College lacrosse legend and 2023 inductee Bob Rotans, March 14th at 11 a.m. Once again, I'm Will Driscoll with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. The 2023 induction is just 44 days away. So whatever you do, participate, don't spectate, and we'll see you next time.